Hi, everybody. Welcome along to episode 120 of Percussion Discussion. Before we get started, I'm going to ask, as usual, please check out all of our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and don't forget our world-famous YouTube channel, where you can find all of the conversations, past and present, and uh, they all have the video to accompany them. So there you go. You get to see my ugly mug as well as hear my dulcet tones. Uh, If you'd rather listen on the go, then all of our conversations are available in podcast form. These are free to download from your favorite podcast provider. So please rate and review if you get a few seconds spare. Always helps like-minded drummers find us and hopefully like us or maybe tolerate us um, as much as you do. Great stuff. Thank you. Um, On to today's guest. Uh, I've been chasing this gentleman for probably 12 months now chasing hassling uh he's a very busy guy um an incredible musician um he uh has played drums for snarky puppy for quite a while um and i think 2015 he left snarky and started up his thing his own thing ghost note which i've been lucky enough to see many times um he's md'd the Zildjian Lives, where he played keyboards and put the band together and wrote all the arrangements. Um, and incredibly, he is now Toto's drummer. Um, so he's got a little bit on his plate. He doesn't do many interviews. Um, so I'm totally thrilled and honoured to be able to introduce the fantastic Mr. Robert Sput Seawright. Sput, thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it's a real thrill to talk to you. Um, we were just talking off air, and I think it was almost a year to the day when I caught you with Ghost Note in uh, in Future Yard at Birkenhead. Um, yeah, and it was, uh, and and I think I said this earlier, it's one of the best things I've ever witnessed in my life. So, uh, thanks for that. <laughs> oh man, that's yeah, that's that's. Uh... That's pretty cool, inspiring to hear. Because uh, man, you know, we love touring and we love going on those those runs, especially going to Europe uh, with this band. Uh, what what with with Ghost Note specifically, and uh, I love traveling. Period, going to Europe, playing music. But with this band, Ghost Note specifically, we love going to Europe and the the. Res- the way they receive us there and allow us to be ourselves and to kind of be authentic and don't really, you know, uh, judge us, you know, because we're goofy and having too much fun on stage. Uh, it's, it's, it's really gratifying to see an audience, uh, that appreciate music like that. Uh, so we've had so much fun going over there. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Oh, well, and, and do you know what? It's always, um a, a really good sign of there's something good on when you see the amount of musicians in the audience that i don't normally see at other gigs because i mean i don't know how many it held maybe 500 at the most and i must have known 50 or 60 of the best musicians in the northwest in there so you know they appreciate the good stuff and and they were there and enjoying it but not just sitting there not or stood in there you know they were they were literally getting into it bouncing dancing just enjoying you know so it was great it was fantastic yeah yeah no, normally we hear that a lot we hear that someone we, we we hear that if something were to happen in the building some uh that it would wipe out the whole music scene 
and uh <laughs> and and I, I love hearing that and i love the idea that guys take off to come and hang out with us you know uh that's dope man that's 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 really that's overwhelmingly uh appreciative you know well it's the truth so do you an interesting thing you said there about you know how you how well you're received in europe is it is it different than in the europe to the states are you do you go down differently in in america um uh, america yeah america uh sad to say uh it, there's so much saturation of music in in america uh, of great music of mm. good music that um people have to pick and choose they literally have to pick and choose what they're going to go support what they're going to go see and for me personally my experience has been like a, it's hard for americans to to have a favorite band so or to uh decide out of five or six situations which one they want to go to mm. so which which concert they would want to go to there's so many it's, it's so many options over here you know um so i'm just grateful that people actually you know come and support us the ones that do um but it there is a difference because of the the uh the access to music that they, uh we have over here in america we just have you know everybody's always touring everybody's always you know it's so many new acts so many old acts so many it's just so much saturation of music over here and talent so that's why and it's not that they don't appreciate as much because you do get you do get i go we go to cities and we get appreciated super well but i mean just europeans they just have such a a greater uh they make so much more of an effort to appreciate the music that they like they 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 support it financially they they buy the merch they buy vinyl they sell out vinyl i mean vinyl um a lot you know, so it's like for us, it's it's always like a very uh, in your face, you know, re result, yeah. you know, of success. And, you know, and it's and it's and it's that's really what's the most inspiring about touring over there. Well, you know, we're also grateful that you make the effort to come over here. You know, it's too easy to stay in your own country and just you know, there's enough there's enough space in in the states you could you could tour i don't know every day of the year and, and do a different place so we i think we appreciate the fact that you come over and and the fact that you do somewhere like um birkenhead to some some people watching or listening to this they won't get that but um it's not manchester or london or birmingham they get all the usual stuff you know it's a bit more out of the way and uh so it's just nice when something like that happens and i think people appreciate it and but it's still right next door it's still right in the vicinity of a very famous city, you know, yeah. Liverpool, you know, so um, it, it's not far fetched because we was playing in Liverpool before we started going out to Birkenhead, mm -hmm. you know, um, we, we were playing in Liverpool a lot. And, you know, uh, again, we would go there like at the wrong times, maybe because it was like in the middle of football season mm. <laughs> and we were competing against like all of these people at bars it's watching the games you know 
um, uh, you know, obviously rooting for Liverpool, but um, we would actually be there in the midst of like the the, the cup, you know, the World Cup or something, you know, and yeah. and you know, just you know, so so we decided to start going, you know, um, we start we decided to, to try Birkenhead a couple of times, and we did it with Monomian. And then we did it with uh, Ghost Known, and it and it worked out. It, it worked out, you know. And most of the college students really gravitated towards uh, what we were doing, and it, and it's been a thing. So I think that's. I'm sending everybody there now. <laughs> uh, well, you know, well, I'm in North Wales. I'm probably an hour away from there, and I know of at least twenty five, thirty people who made the trip over from here to go there. So that's that's you know, there's, <laughs> it's all good. Any any plans to come back to the UK with Ghost Notes, but. Yes, um, next year for sure. This year we're focusing on Ghost Note is finally putting out another record. It's and been a while. this year, yeah, it's been a while. The pandemic. We were supposed to put the record out in between twenty and twenty one. Yeah, it was supposed to be a twenty twenty release, but uh, we all know what happened. Yeah, um, and we had to take a, a serious break on 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 the things that needed to be done to put out a record because yeah. we couldn't be with each other and and those things like that so and then when uh when everything opened back up we decided that it was more it was very important for us to travel mm. so we were one of the first bands actually to go to europe wow okay after, after everything opened back up mm. we were literally one of the first bands to travel from um uh, uh the states to europe to do a tour and we did a tour in 21 i think mark latiri did it before we did yeah. but um um we were one of the first bands to do it and and um so we thought it was important to reconnect with the fans first and do all of these this traveling so it kind of we kind of did it backwards where we did touring and now you know, at the end of last year and this beginning of this year, we took time off to yeah. to really complete the record, get it mixed, mastered, get it, you know, done the way we want to do it. And now we're going to market it and do the pressing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, do the real marketing, you know, to make sure people know it's coming out and, uh, and you know, do the do the whole thing, the push for all of the you know anything that can recognize any uh, of the entities that can recognize it we're going to do the things that we need to do to make that possible and stuff like that so. good well I'll, I'll i'll really look forward to that and i think you know if it's been a while be between albums i think it gives people a hunger for it anyway so hopefully when it does come out you know everyone's going to want to go and get it and, and attend the gigs and everything else that goes with it you know that's the plan i guess yeah and i mean mm -hmm. We kind of, you know, after the pandemic, we had lost, we hadn't been playing together, so we kind of forgot swagism. So we actually have been playing the new music. So yeah. people, and, and if you've seen us in the last two, two or three years, you've seen us play this music already. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, people are, hopefully people are excited about it. Sure, sure. Well, look, uh, let's go back a little bit because, your story is is pretty fascinating. The fact that you 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 know you one of the most, uh, and I don't like saying this in front. I don't mean this to embarrass anybody, but I could listen to you play for, you know, as long as you're sat behind that kit, it never gets boring. 
um everything you do i like it just it's tasteful it's you know but you have an equal equal amount of skill on keyboards which is uh it just baffles my mind totally so w- where did it all begin for you but what was the like earliest memories of music if you like um well, my parents man i grew up in a very musical household i know people say that all the time but mm-hmm. my mom my mom and my dad met in college, both uh, acquiring their music degrees. Uh, um, my mom was a, was a pianist, a choral singer. Um, she was a musician, played organ. She used to play the organ, classically trained. Uh, my dad was an opera singer. Uh, he was self-taught as a musician. He was an opera singer, I and mean, he's also a mathematics professor. Wow. But he was uh, a self-taught musician that can play drums, keyboard, organ, and God knows what else. I grew up in the house, and he was just, I just used to see him. And, you know, he was he was pretty good at everything he could do, you know, like, so. Um, but he never really, like, just pursued one thing. He's just doing it as a hobby, you know, just whenever he felt like it. He would just go jump on an organ and be making up stuff and, then he'd be go drink some coffee or something he'd be done you know um the drums were set up and i would see him jump on every now and then that was a rarity but when when you see him jump on he, he could play he could actually play the drums you know and i'm you know i just remember the day where i was like wow like he can play you know i was a kid uh, but my mom she could play drums she could play keys and music was all, always going in the house and we grew up in the black church and uh in in the south southern part of the states in texas um in dallas texas to be exact and we went to church every week because they were like both leading the music department at the church we had to go like maybe four times a week to church and it was a drag sometimes most times but um I was always in church. I was always in car rehearsals. I, w- I was always in productions uh, for for holidays. Always productions like full on productions for Sunday services. Sure. You know, uh, rehearsals for that. And I, I met a lot of. I was just exposed to a lot of great musicians and and people that no one ever heard of or will ever hear of. Uh, that was just in my c- vicinity. And uh, then. Um, once I turned between eight and ten, I got exposed to um, some really incredible music that I'd never heard before, which was called secular music, okay. which was the uh, was a gift to, a gift to me from an auntie of mine who was married to a DJ, and they split up, and out of spite, she took all his crates and left them <laughs> left them at our house. And I just inherited like a thousand or plus, you know, or so crates. Um, I mean, records and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. in these in these crates. And uh, so it expounded my music. I learned about Led Zeppelin, I learned about Queen, I learned about James Brown, Parliament, George Clinton, uh, Tower of Power, Miles Davis, uh, uh, Prince, like just a plethora of, of all sorts of music journalists all sorts of artists um, and in one sitting like so my elementary school years were were just overtaken 
by this. Yeah, that's an incredible stroke of luck for you to get you to get all those records. I mean, most people have yeah. to, you know, oh, we'll buy one a week and we'll get pocket money or we'll get whatever, and, and you get the whole thing, and that's that's a bit of good luck, right? Yeah, I had the records in the double. DJs have two of each, yeah, of course, and so yeah. I had all of the records. I had double of all the records because they got played so much, and some of them were scratched. And then you get the other, you know. So I had all the credits to my disposal, and you know, shout out, shout out to my mom and my dad, especially my mom because she was the person that just, uh, you know, we had rules at this church, very strict religious thing that we grew up in, and and we had strict rules and she broke the rules to allow me to listen to this music and mm. both of them did you know and i'm glad i'm thankful they did i mean now that we all you know away from that um we understood that that was silly and idiotic anyway but now um but i'm very grateful that in that moment that they was very uh radical and rebellious wow that could it could have been all very different couldn't it had they not have been you know because you, yeah. you've had a really healthy mix of music coming up, and and you know who's who knows where where you might have been today without that. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I venture to say, I'm you. We might not be talking today. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't be on this. Yeah, oh, just incredible. So, was it? So was it drums or was it piano first for you, or which one? It was drums. It was drums from the womb. You yeah. know, my mom said that I would kick to beat you know in her belly i mean you hear mom say that all the time sure. but she's like no for real for real she's like no you were like we were you know we would feel a pulse with your kicking you know i mean and it, she was then she was saying it could have been my arms and everything you know yeah. but um yeah, so I think it starts there because as soon as I got out, I was just fascinated with beat hitting on things, you know. So it started out with my mom would be cooking and she would have me in the kitchen and in a stroller with a uh, a restricted area uh, <laughs> thing. Um, and to entertain, she'd be listening to music, but to entertain me, she would put pots and pans in front of me <laughs> and give me spoons. And I just, to the music, I just hit pots and pans to the music until I got old enough to play. And then she would, uh, then they bought me a drum kit. I got my first drum kit between the ages of four and five. Wow. That's that's a proper musical upbringing, that. That's just the, it's the ultimate way in, isn't it? You know, and, and, yeah. and I guess you're allowed to play and allowed to practice without being too loud and you just get on and do it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they just put up with me. They tolerated it, you know. They tolerated it until, uh, you know, until it was, uh, I mean, they recognized something, obviously, and, you know, that's what parents are, uh, are there for you know and and it's it's even more uh prevalent in parents who have a musical background but it just you know I, I salute parents in general who recognizes that at a young age and proactively do things about it so once they realized that I was in you know, off music they just made sure that I got as much music as I could get yeah you know and everything else worked itself out and I, I i i'm so grateful to them for that yeah i can i can see that 
So yeah. what what age were you before you realized that music was going to be life, the job, career, everything? I was nine. I was 10 years old. And my dad snuck me to a concert. I don't even know if my mom knows this. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad snuck me to a concert. It was a it was an out in the park. Uh, uh, and it was Chuck Mangione. Oh, wow. Okay. Flugel playing. And, yeah. And Steve, Steve Gatt was playing with him. He was playing drums. Ralph McDonald was playing percussion. And I think Gary King was playing bass. And I think Richard T was playing oh, keys. I, rem I remember all of these yeah. names from that day. Specifically, it might have been, you know what? It might have been uh, Foster on keys. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, either way, I, I just remember like there was a drum solo, a drum percussive solo, or the Steve Gadd and Ralph McDonald's playing together. And I remember seeing that and being like i want to do that like i want to do that like i was 10 years old and I, my whole everything shifted that day after seeing that and seeing the crowd whoa just you know and seeing the energy at the time i didn't recognize the energy but just seeing the feeling that came over me and and uh the enviousness that i had from being of being on stage of them being on stage and feeling like that's something that I want to do, like it was a passion. It became such a passion to me. That's when I realized this is okay. This is something that I really want to do. You yeah, know? yeah. And th and that was single minded. That's what you were going to do. There was no question ever. No question after that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's it's worked. You've done okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's paid off. I mean, you've yeah. done so much over the years. I mean. The, the 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 piano interests me. Was that something you did alongside the drums? Um, I think the piano just came out, you know, by default. Hmm. You know, um, like I said, there was organs and pianos at my house. You know, you walk by them. I mean, I was into music, so sometimes. You know, sometimes my mom and my dad didn't want me banging on things. So yeah, of course, yeah. uh, sometimes I just, instead of banging, I would, you know, sit on the piano and try to work things out or figure stuff out. But I think um, I think I was in the seventh grade when I kind of got serious about music. My mom bought me a keyboard when she realized that I was, she bought me a synthesizer when she, uh, with a, a sequencer in it. And when she realized it was a tech, it was a techniques. Technique. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. Them. And and when she realized that I was interested in keyboard, she bought me that, and I was fascinated with the whole sequencing thing. So I would like sequence grooves and stuff like that. And you can build your own songs. I taught myself how to build songs and grooves. And so what I would do was just take stuff off the radio and, and play and try to mimic it and try to re 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 like duplicate it like re remake it you know reproduce it or whatever and i did a good i mean i did a fairly good job i would just learn stuff as i go but i wasn't a player i could just do that i could just yeah, program yeah. and sequence things and i think that led me that actually led me to becoming a player 
because yeah. eventually I would, you know, repeat the process so much until I could actually, you know, understand some of the things that I was like actually mimicking. Cause I just had an ear. I had a great ear. Yeah. And then when I went to, and then I think in the ninth grade year, I went to a Juilliard school pretty much. It's called the Booker T. Washington Performance for Visual and Performing Arts in Dallas. It's the same school. Erica Badu went to Edith Bukel, Roy Hargrove, Sean Martin, uh, Erica, uh, did I say Erica Badu? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, um, um, uh, Nora Jones. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Like all of these, all of these, People went to the school, um, and and uh, no, they, they, they're clusters. There's there's like the theater department, the uh, dance department, the acting. I mean, uh, the uh, visual arts department, yeah. and then there's music. And uh, being in music, no matter what area you like wanted to focus on, everyone had to learn functional piano. Sure. You also had to learn basic music theory even to to be in the school so me being a functional piano it just kind of just brought all those worlds together and that's the reason why i was able to and you know it did help that uh during my senior in school which i had been waiting to be in the jazz band the a-list jazz band for four <laughs> years because the talent competition was very high and we were supposed to get this piano recruit to come in and my band director he didn't show so my band director asked me my senior year when I was supposed to be the drummer finally in the band to be the pianist for the band, the jazz band. So I ended up being the jazz pianist in our combo, our jazz combo, the pianist in a jazz combo. And I won a downbeat. Uh, we went to all sorts of contests. And it, I mean, like, so I be, I was thrust into being a keyboard player and, you know, I'm kind of grateful for that, actually. Yeah, well, you know, so good to have both sides. I mean, it opens up so many doors for you, doesn't it? That that it wouldn't yeah. normally, you know. Um, and and you know, from your your Technics keyboard days, is that where the kind of production thing came from? Do you think that's where that started? That's exactly where it came from. Yeah, because I was building building songs, building tracks. I was I was just learning how to do all of that yeah. stuff. And uh, uh, by the time I got the schooling for it, I like it, it was just connecting dots at that mm-hmm. point. You know, it was just like putting education towards what I already knew, putting yeah. the terms and all that stuff together. Yeah. Well, obviously, you've taken it to um, a ridiculous level. If if we talk about the ghost note from the Zildjian Lives, the classic Zildjian Lives now, obviously, you're no longer on drums for these. You're on you're on uh, keys and MD with your band, obviously. Um that's you know it doesn't get a much higher level than that does it really i mean let, let, let's talk about that because that is so entertaining for any drummer or musician to watch um and i know you you write a lot of the music on there as well so it must be a dream having to write music for for these drummers you know lanel lewis um dennis chambers whoever else was on it you know yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus Gilmore was one of my favorites. I, I think he's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Do, is that is that a blessing or a curse writing for 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 drummers? Oh, it's it's both. Um, but um, you know, this experience normally it's both a blessing and a curse. But this is uh, 
this experience has been wonderful for me. But to really, this is more uh, this is more uh, a testimony of my business acumen mm. as opposed to talent. Uh, this all started because I'm a member. I'm signed to Vic Firth. Yeah, I play Vic Firth drumsticks. Sure. And and really, it started with Vic Firth jams. Yes, of course. Which uh, one of my reps asked me. We just was brainstorming about doing something different, and I just always wanted to bring the Buddy Rich days back, and uh, some something like that, you know, that experience. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm also in snarky uh, at that point, so I'm like, maybe we can infuse like some of the things that we did, like we created with the whole snarky uh, recording live element yeah. having people in the room while we do a performance type thing and and in a studio audience like where you get the best quality of sound and you get the best quality of video mm-hmm. out of visual you know yeah, sure. visual uh quality and um and and so this you know they he took my pitch and and he took it to vic first vic first is uh at that point was owned was had just been bought by Zildjian. Yes, of course. So they're, they had emerged as two, as one company now. And so Vic Firth, we did two successful years of that where we did the same type thing. And Zildjian was like, man, this is awesome. This is amazing. Can we do this for Zildjian? Mm. Now, um, I think you wanted to talk about me, me being with Minor. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Symbol company, but uh, and I'll tell that story later, but yeah. The because I'm with Mino, what I did with uh, Vic first, I would you know I write all the songs, uh, arrange all the songs. Some songs I took and just rewrote the song. It might have been a favorite song of the artist that I like, and I took it and I kind of arranged the song to fit this particular thing and write parts to it. Um, cause we had to write instrumentation for a band, a 15 piece band. So my idea is that we would have a 15 piece band, um, uh, a multi-horn section, uh, guitarist, two keyboardists, you know, rhythm section, uh, with a percussionist, uh, three singers, you know, so it was like a 13 to 15 piece band, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. um, and and it was it was interesting. So I had to pretty much rewrite all the songs. Some songs I wrote from scratch. Some songs I took ideas from the actual artists. Yeah. I would get with them and just figure out you know what kind of style they would want to play, and then we go from there. And I would send them a demo and do this. So, anyways, it makes sense to use like it was doing the Nam show. It was doing the time. So okay. for me, it made sense to use that. Um, use local musicians there so i wanted to get up and coming younger local musicians that were fire that um that was super talented that people may not have known about so i can give them opportunity yeah an opportunity because that's to me that's more of a thing too you know it's easy to get all of the the top-notch guys the more popular guys and but you may not get as much time from them because they're so busy you know um so i wanted to use some of the younger guys and that was great. And I was able to do that. We did two seasons of that. So when um, Zildjian, Zildjian asked, it was the second year, they asked me to do the same thing for that brand. Um, I had two dilemmas. Uh, I was on tour. 
uh, and I had to write all this music and rehearsal time with the band. I, I, I had to like stretch myself to get, you know, get to the NAM show, you know. So I was on tour with my band, Ghost Note, who had just started. And because I'm with Minel, it couldn't be Robert C. Wright presents sure. or featuring featuring Robert C. Wright because I'm with Minel and it would kind of rub the business that business arrangement with them the wrong way. So me as a producer though, me as a uh, music director, as a songwriter, producer, composer, all of those, I'm not signed with Minel for that. Sure. sure. So that as long as I'm not playing drums, uh, which I'm not for the mm-hmm. yeah. Live. Yeah, yeah. I thought instead of having, instead of being presented or featured or produced by Robert C. Right, it was an opportunity for me to use my, to, uh, to expose my band. Yeah, you know, and and to uh, kind of showcase them in a way that uh, would pop, pop, hopefully help our trajectory as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. you know. So I got them to say featuring Ghost Note, and. I would still be at the forefront of everything, obviously, but it made everybody happy. We took instead of minor, instead of our percussionist, who's a minor guy as well, yeah. instead of him playing cymbals, we didn't need cymbals. We just used minor percussion, yeah, yeah. you know, and took all the cymbals away and let the drummers use the cymbals and stuff like that. He just became just a hand guy, hand drum uh, and a and a timbali player. You know, you know, he just became a regular percussionist, sure. uh, and everybody was happy so that that whole thing um i I mean it allowed me to showcase the other aspects attributes of my uh gift and my career of my talents and stuff like that and the things that i do and i i'm grateful for it but that was just an opportunity for everybody to see the other things that i did outside of of the drums you know and 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 the ability to put a smoking band together as well because not everyone has that that ability to do that, you know, to hear how good people are and, and trust them and know they're going to recreate what's in your head or what's on the, on the part, whatever you get, you know, I, I assume you have to write parts out with all the brass and, and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, do you, arra- do you, do you arrange all that as well? Do you write the parts out? or does Yes. You- yes. Everything. Wow. wow. And that's the reason why I said, the, you know, when you said blessing and the curse, mm. yeah, the curse, that is the curse <laughs> Yeah. Uh, of having to do, everything and do all of the arrangement uh rehearse the band be in charge of the whole production um making sure that the time uh with each artist is spent well and make sure we go over we don't have limited amount of time make sure the artist is completely happy and prepared and comfortable uh sometimes they wasn't there was one in particular i won't say the name but there was one who was didn't like the song that I presented. I and, think I know who yeah. this is. <laughs> I don't know, but it's one I of think, I think she has been on the podcast. Oh, okay, yeah. Sarah, yeah, well, don't, if she's, cool. if she's, she, she said about it, don't worry. If she's told the story. She's told if, it. If she's told the story, then, yeah. <laughs> well, then fine. Um, um, yeah, but, I mean, like, the only, the thing about that is the drag, like, I studied the way she played. Yeah. And, I like, like we had done this before with, um, and uh, with the Vic Firth jams, because she did both. 
Yeah. And so the Zildjian Live, you know, I I was like, okay, I'm going to get it. I'm going to nail it this time. Took all the things that I saw she was doing on the internet. And the difference, the 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 the, the difference, I don't know if she didn't like the songs. I just, I think that she wanted to, she wanted to showcase her facility more. She wanted yeah. to play more. Yeah, I think that's what it was. She wanted to, she wanted to showcase her chops. That's yeah. really what it was, and um, which is I'm not mad at. I'm not mad at that. But honestly, that's the first artist that ever said anything like that. Like that yeah. they wanted to just showcase their chops. So it was like I was like taken by it because I was like, what? Well, uh, okay, okay. I mean, we're gonna give everybody solo moments. I'd make sure that that happens. Yeah. But she just wanted to. She wanted everything to be about showcase her chops, which um, fortunately, I mean, like I dug in the bag at 2 a.m. in the morning. Sad. <laughs> um, after rehearsal, we had to wait wait for all the other artists to be rehearsed. And because mentally I was fried. And I, can imagine. Um, I got on the piano at 2 a.m. in the morning and I started playing this thing and she said she wanted an odd time meter, so I started doing something. A five and, and a three, she mentioned. <laughs> yeah, and and I started doing it. I don't, you know, I don't remember all the details, but I, I started doing it, and she she was like, "Yeah," I was like, "Okay, let me record that." And so, blah blah, yeah, yeah, all right, all right. We did another section. She, I was like, "Well, give me a rhythm, give me a pattern you want to play." And so she gave me a pattern she wanted to play, and then I put melodies and the harmonies to it and you know to a pattern and okay so this is be the b section fine cool i'll i'll come back and create an ending for the a section to to tie these two sections together and then i was like so what do you want to solo over? and uh she was like well I, I can solo over either either one of these sections but i want the last section to be explosive blah blah you know and so and so I had to go and to create this whole vibe uh, in my head. And then the next day, fully teach it to the band. Because I tried to introduce it to the band that night, but it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. Everybody was ready to go. And the next day, I had to teach it to the band. So you like didn't have time. You didn't have time to write parts out or anything. It was just literally. No, I, I had to manually teach wow. everybody. Yeah, that's uh, and in real time, I have to show everybody the parts in real time. The only time I've ever done that, and probably the only time I, I will do that if I want to have a band. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Uh, but but uh, but no, it it worked out. <coughs> Excuse me, it turned out fine. It worked out to be a, an amazing arrangement, and yeah, I mean, like I was looking, at, I was, I mean, I was looking around. I mean, I don't know if the camera caught me but i definitely did one of the you know <laughs> i definitely did one of those things after that performance but it, it was i don't know if we mentioned who it was but it was i, I think it's the only female that's been on i i, I think and it's sarah thower who's a, is a yeah sarah great, thower yeah great drummer and she was singing your praises for doing that because she said it was literally yeah. last, last minute and she said she was very honest that she said oh i just wasn't digging you know and and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want seven. I want five, and I want three. And uh, yeah, she wanted to. She wanted to go ham, which, which I mean, you know, and you know, a lot, you know, especially drummers in that generation. You know, I'm, I'm a, gen I'm a couple generations removed from 
the younger guys now, but um, and girls. But I was just, I was, my thing was, it was, you know, it was showcasing the grooves, and then that's always my my yeah. approach to writing music, you know, showcasing the grooves, so that when the solo section comes, it's like an arrival, and it's 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 like it's been a journey to get there. You know, yeah. so that's always been my. But the younger generation, they man, they got a lot. They got a lot to get out. So they be want to get it out from from jump. No, they just want to go. And I understand. I respect that too. You know, because when I was younger, I'm. I mean, when I was younger, I was. I was probably trying to do that too. <laughs> you know, to be honest. <laughs> but um, um, but yeah. So it's it's you know it, it was a it's it's you know it's quite a humbling thing because you know you are charged to. Um, create this music and and make everybody to ha- try to make everybody happy sure. and you know to have that one moment where I didn't do that uh, it's just it's you know it's humbling so yeah I, I think it helps I think it helped me you know I didn't think I, I was just most mostly concerned that we weren't gonna have a song <laughs> for her but it I mean I did something that I didn't think I didn't know I could do which is conjure up a uh a situation like at two o'clock a.m in the morning you know well i tell you what that's some task and and uh it was nailed from 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 every corner from the band i mean it must be horrible i mean i i only do gigs where i read and if i have to try and remember something i don't know i, I can't remember it so i mean kudos to every band member who nailed that you know well that's that's a kind of a criteria to be in the band you have to be able to use your ears because we interact off of one another. Yeah. And if you read in music, no offense to reading music because yeah, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's necessary. Uh, but if, you know, we, we, maybe I chart it out just for people to learn it. Yeah. So that I wouldn't have to do the, you know, teach one by one so that we can get through rehearsals fast. But once, you know, once I give you the music, you're supposed to learn the music and come to rehearsal. You know what I mean? And uh, knowing what it is because eye contact and our communication is looking, yeah, feeling and speaking to each other. And if you're into the music, then you're focused on that yeah. and anything that's going on around you, you're not going to be able to be a part of. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. So that's, that's the criteria. But there's, <laughs> there's some lovely moments and, and you must have some great memories from doing that. And, and, um, the one that always makes me smile is when you count the Dennis Chambers tune in and he doesn't hear it. And uh, and that's just so funny. It's a lovely moment, you know. Uh, obviously, a great respect between you both. And it was just... I fabulous. know. <laughs> I know. I was just... I was I was still in awe. You know, I was just like starstruck. I know, I've known him for years. I've known him... Well, it's the first time... It was the first time I got to play with him, you know. So, uh, it, yeah, it was a moment. It was a moment for me, and I was nervous. Out of all of those, mo- that's the only moment in that situation where I was. I literally had butterflies, and I was like, and you know, and he, I'm glad he did that because he just he, you know, he he just he just snapped me right out of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. like, like I can't I can't hear you. Count it off like a man, you know. It was <laughs> it was like. A thing. Was, I think the was, comment was, was, I didn't realize you worked midnight theater, which made me, I was, I thought he made, yeah. such a, it, you know, it was just fun, wasn't it? But, and yeah, it was, it was cool. They, we cut a lot out of it. It was, yeah. it was, we cut a lot of fun. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. It went on. It lingered. 
Oh, dear. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, you know, whatever else you do, that's a great legacy there. Um, you know, from from your other talent of of, of playing, directing, and composing, arranging incredible stuff. Uh, we were talking about Minel. Now, I I think you really sell Minel symbols. I don't often talk about equipment much on this podcast, but the sounds you coax out from those symbols make me want to go and buy them. Those exact ones, and I know they won't sound like that in my hands, but. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you how you ended up with Minel, because you know. I, first of all, I think they will. I think, think they will. Yes, I you, think you haven't heard my hands, but <laughs> no, I think I think I've heard a kid hit symbols, these symbols, and and they sound good. Oh. You know, they they're not loud. But what what's the question? I'm sorry. I was saying, how did you end up with Minel? Because I I think they're a great forward thinking company. I really do. Well, I I know a lot of people probably want to take the credit for for uh, <laughs> for me being that minor, but those are probably more conversations that happen outside of me. Um, I was not on the minor radar at all. I was a Sabian artist, mm -hmm. and I had I've been working with this rep who's no longer the rep there, and it's no longer uh, alive. Rest in peace to him, uh, uh, Paul Solution was his name and um and and i is a great guy i actually we had differences but we actually rekindled uh, our friendship you know uh long before and i sent him over other artists you know to sign to them before before all was all over but during this one particular time i wasn't as popular as a drummer mm -hmm. uh i was i was playing with snarky puppy it was the, the first uh record a snarky puppy and uh i just became a member of Sabian. i think it was like someone referred me to them you know so they didn't really social media wasn't a big thing and i wasn't big on social media anyway and it wasn't a lot of clips of me playing my my credits was around but it wasn't a lot of visual things uh long story short i wanted i needed some symbols for this session, uh, the first Tell Your Friends record that we were doing with Snarky. And I was hurt bad. I had crack symbols. I, I didn't have none. I didn't really have money to 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 buy a whole new set of symbols. And I emailed like three months in advance and tried to get a response, didn't get any response, to see about just getting some symbols sent for the record and I could send them back, you know, whatever, whatever the case was. I just need something. Backline some symbols, some cool ones, you know, whatever the case. Uh, I didn't know really what it was, but I never got a response. And I went to the NAMM show and Icky from Soul Tones, um, he liked me and he just gave me a bunch of symbols. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up playing, <laughs> I ended up playing a mismatch of symbols, whatever symbol I had from Sabian. I ended up, but I ended up playing mostly like, soul tone symbols on that whole record uh i appreciate him for that because uh i vaguely like the symbols <laughs> i really didn't like them as much vaguely um <laughs> um uh, uh, as i liked the sabians you know at that time but it was a full pack of symbols hmm. and, he, and he sent them to me and i was able to get through the session all right so fast forward that video comes out. Paul hits me up and he, and he was like, Hey, man, I'm just seeing these emails. I'm sorry. How did we mess this up? Blah, blah. Sends me 
He was like, uh, what can we do for you? I'm gonna send you a pack of symbols right now. Send me 10 symbols, five, uh, 10 symbols of my choice. Two years go by, we're going to do another snarky record. And I'm, I'm like, uh, same thing, same process, email. I, I didn't get, you know, I was like, I need a couple of symbols. I want to try this out. I mean, I need this symbol, this sound for this, this, this song, blah, blah, blah. Specific, and, you know, nothing, curtains, goose eggs, nothing, you know. And I just landed a deal with uh, Gretz, and Gretz sent me a kid over. And so for that session, I ended up just using, it's called Ground Up. And if you see the Ground Up session, you can see all of this, all of this yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. With, documented. Um, you see the ground up session. I have an ozone. I have like a crash doom. I have like uh, a old Zildjian K here, yeah. uh, and I have like a Manhattan. Uh, uh, I have all everything is mismatched. It's like yeah. all my favorite symbols. Like, and I was that, I'm actually excited that I was able to do that because everybody really wants to play their favorite stuff. Of course, that's really what wants to happen, you know? So, I mean, like I just did it on the whim. I didn't have anything, you know, the options. I just kind of did it. And that's when you realize I was learning my sound and I was learning that you can't play one symbol for everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I was really learning the importance of having variety of sounds, you know? Um, and in that moment, and especially in a band like that, I, I really learned, learned, that a lot you know some people actually can pull their sound off in any situation i know guys like this i have friends like this keep carlock he mm -hmm. can you know he takes his same situation no matter what situation he has no matter what band he's playing with it's his sound it's same setup same yeah. symbols you know uh for me i can't do that yeah. i can't i can't pull it off you know so for me it's been very important to be able to utilize sounds like that you know and take advantage of that and really pay attention to that so after that session so at the end of the day he hits me back and he goes hey i feel like a, i totally feel horrible right now uh i again. see it, but <laughs> again after that but here's here's the thing this record went viral it had a viral moment and and now i'm getting all this attention right so um he hits me up and so i you know it was like a proactive thing so i i met chris brewer from mino mm -hmm. on on instagram he didn't have his mino in his name he just on his personal page he was like i'm a huge fan blah blah i went to nashville we played there and then he came and introduced himself to me I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, got the guy I met on Facebook or whatever. Uh, it was Facebook, I think. Yeah. Sure. And then uh, and I and I go, well, cool, man. I was like, nice to meet you, blah, blah. I was like, man, give me your card. Uh, let's keep in touch, you know. And so I never looked at his card. Never. He never mentioned to me that he was the rep for Mino Symbols. Yeah. And and so he just we just became friends and was just talking and. I'm talking about, and I asked him for it when I found out he was the rep for Mino Symbols, and he never asked me if I wanted to play Mino. I was like, "Look, you're a rep." I was like, "Can I bounce something off of you? Can you give me some advice about something?" I was like, "I'm with Sabian," and I asked him how they would want to hear from from an art artist about being 
really wanting to be an active member on the roster uh, of a company. And he gave me advice. I was like, I would like to write a letter to my rep. Could you help me construct a letter? He helped me construct this letter. And it was a, it was a letter of saying, you know, that I would love, you know, just to be considered before things go viral, you know, just to get an e- email answered to blah, blah. I was like, if this is something that can't happen, you know, let me know. But I would love to because I love these. Some I love this company, you know, mm-hmm. and he helped me construct. I just thought it was nice that he helped me construct this letter, you know, and I sent it in. You know, I actually typed it out myself and then I had him look over it and make sure I wasn't ruffling any feathers or whatever. And basically, you know, he didn't have to do that. I thought that was just nice of him to do. And I sent the letter in. I sent it in and I I CC'd all the execs in the company. I also had Paul on it. And, you know, you know, the response from the letter was like, well, you know, we want to free you up to go as you please, you know. And it was like, it was not the response I wanted. It was like, the, it was it was me humbling myself saying, hey, I would like to just be considered before, like, things go viral. Like, when I actually need the equipment, need the gear. I've never asked them for anything for free. I've gotten things for free, obviously because I was in Doris and they sent me things. Sure. Um, I got maybe like 15 symbols all together from them. You know, the rest I had already because I, you know, I love Sabi, you yeah. know. Um, and the thing is, they had me back and was like, we're not interested, pretty much. Wow. It's not, in, we're not interested. And Paul actually hit me back and was like, that wasn't, a, I mean, it's just a company, you know, they, the higher ups, he's like, his hands was tied, you know, and, and he apologized. He was like, man, you should go and find your company that that's going to make you happy because I know we have it here. And, and I was just overwhelmed and, you know, just, and, you know, that was the whole thing. And, and then Chris, then that, so that's how this whole Chris thing with Mino, he was like, well, I know you have never mentioned Mino, but I'm with Mino. I mean, uh, do you think you might be interested in Mino? And I was like, nah. <laughs> I was like, nah. I was like, thank you, but nah. He was like, he's like, have you ever played the symbols? I was like, nah. Nah. I, I never nah, I never played the symbols. He was like, well, he said, send me a list of all your favorite symbols. Send me a list, and I promise I can try to match it for you. And I'll send it to you. Send them the symbols. You don't like them. We don't ever have to have this conversation again. And he sent me he sent me the symbol, and uh, I was I was really about that crash of doom. The crash yeah. of doom. Yeah. I was like, if you can match this crash of doom, I'll deal with everything else. And he got real close, and then he sent me. I was like, this ain't it, but you, you got something else. And then he sent something else to me, and I was like, okay, all right, this is enough for me to. This is enough for me. If you guys are interested, this is enough for me to, you know, I mean, I had a whole package of symbols that I actually liked. You know, I never heard them before, but I actually liked and was like, whoa, like this is enough for me to like dive into. I want to come down. I want to hear all the symbols. 
I was like, I want to, I know you can't send them all to me. I want to hear them. So Nam was coming up and I got a chance to go to them and hit on a bunch of symbols. They brought everything, you know, and I hit on everything. I was, I was so, anyways, we, I came back to Nashville. We signed and, and the rest is history, you know, um, but I'm an advocate for liking what you play. Yeah. Oh, not, not, not being about hype, not being about, you know, the trend, if you will, mm. but liking literally liking being a fan of what you're playing and i yeah. tell people all the time i was like if you don't like the symbols then don't play them if you don't like the drums don't play them you don't like the drum heads don't play them i like i'm i just like testifying because what they do for me you know if, yeah. if the proof is i mean the receipts are there like like you hear my sound you hear, this is this is the products i use to get the sound so if you like my sound you know it's no one's going and, and doing some kind of uh, surgery to make yeah. it sound like this, you know, like this, this is the natural sound of these products. Things are just getting enhanced by mixes, but no, the sound is there, you know, and I'm always saying that, you know, in the cymbals, I never liked loud cymbals. Mm -hmm. I never liked bright sounding cymbals a lot. Yeah. And I felt like the decay of cymbals sometimes washes over the long decaying the long decays washes over what you're trying to do around the drum set once you totally hit the with you. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just felt like I found that in mono. I found the reason why I hated that. You know, I found the, uh, the answer to that. I actually realized that was why, because I would hit the mono symbols and they would decay real fast. Yeah. And I would hear that. I'd be like, Psh, you still get this crash. You get the splash, but then it just just fades out like a fade or something, you know. Sure. And a lot of symbols, and I couldn't find another symbol that sounded like that, yeah. you know. So whatever they were doing, they were doing good. I'm not gonna. I don't know if they're giving the recipe away yet, but as long as they keep doing that, I'm I'm always gonna be a fan, you know. So I, I mean, that's the whole mind. I'm 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 literally blown away. I did a gig uh, a few weeks ago, and it was a house kit. And it was all minor symbols, and uh, they were dark, beautiful. Uh, it was like they somebody had been to the factory and matched them. They were so perfect. And uh, now, <laughs> now I'm thinking, yeah, I need to play minor symbols. Oh dear me! But hey, yeah. Oh man, um, this I know you're a busy guy, uh, but there's one thing I have to talk about before before we disappear. Uh, when you were growing up as a young guy, were you a Jeff Bocaro fan? Yes, I didn't so know. You, you, you get where this is going, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you ever think, as you know, a young guy in in Dallas, that you'd one day be playing the songs that that Jeff played on? I mean, that that's just, you know. God no, God no, no. What an amazing thing, right? Yeah, I mean, all of those records were in the crates. Yeah, all of them. All the records was in the crates, by the way. So uh, by the time this was around 1985. So, yeah, we hadn't gotten the, uh, I think Pamela was 87. I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, we hadn't gotten to that yet. But I knew by the time Pamela came and by the time Fahrenheit came, which was mm -hmm. I was in high school at that time, I was ready. I was I, I was a total like the whole like I had been following the whole 
total movement, like outside of the band, yeah. like Michael Jackson, Beat It, Off the Wall, Thriller, you know, all of, all of the stuff that they were doing, um, working with Quincy Jones, all of the work they were doing with Quincy Jones, everything. I by the time, by that time, I was up on all of that stuff. You were so yeah, I was a yeah. huge huge fan. Um, dream gig it was definitely a dream gig. You know, it was token token as a dream gig. Yeah. Uh, it was my dream gigs at the time was Prince, James Brown, Toto. And uh, 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 Sly and the Family Stone, mm. and and you know on the jazz side it was it was Miles Davis, yeah. But uh, you know that was like for <laughs> uh, Herbie Hancock or Miles, either one, yeah, whichever yeah. one came sure. first at that point. And uh, I got the Herbie gig, did yeah. that, but um, um, never got a chance to play with Miles, never got a chance to play with Prince, never got a chance to play with. Uh, uh, James Brown. You'd have been a so, great fit for Prince. Great oh, fit. Man, my uh, my favorite, my favorite Prince drummer, who's actually been on the show as well, was Michael Bland. I just think Michael had the just the most, oh man, just something. The uh, goat. Yeah, he's yeah. the he's the goat. He's the goat, man. But yeah, so I I um honestly. I honestly like really, really. Uh, it's like I don't know how many people actually get to do their dream mm. gig. Like the dream, actually, dream gig actually comes true. But uh, that's actually what's happened with me with this Toto situation. Sure. I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable uh, stream of luck. <laughs> Well, is it luck? I mean, you know, you've got to be able to deliver. That's not luck, is it? That's a lifetime of hard work that's that you've put into it. So I don't, I don't know about luck. I don't know. Well, I mean, I did. Yeah, you're right. I got to be careful saying that. I'm blessed for sure. Um, uh, and your gift makes room for you. Your what what you do makes room for you. Sure. Uh, wow. I mean. Um, but 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 I mean like honestly like like there are still other drummers out there. There's so many drummers that could do it, uh, you know. And and I I mean I'm still gonna always be baffled at the notion that I was selected as as one of the guys. I gotta plug in my. Are we gonna get disconnected? All right, um, uh, my computer. But I was selected as chosen as one of the guys to carry the legacy on i mean like this is it's overwhelming you know it's uh you know uh, yeah yeah you do the you do the good work you study let me see this is it yeah you do the good you do the good work and you study everything that you're supposed to study uh you put yourself out there and the way it came back was weird because the keyboard player he's um i know the keyboard tech I know the guy that's the keyboard tech. He's one of my really good friends. He's always talking about Toto. He's always talking about trying to put us together in some kind of way, right? So he manifested all of this. Mm -hmm. His name is Jordan Rippy. Jordan Rippy, thank you. Um, he, in his own little way, he didn't know it, but he manifested all this. He called me 
when David Page couldn't tour anymore, he called me and asked me for a keyboard clip. All right. Preferably one that can sing. And I recommended both for the keyboard players and Ghost Note, my own band. Like at the time, I was like, oh yeah, I know two guys, but I realized I was like <laughs> recommending my guys. <laughs> you know, I was gonna lose one of my guys, you know. And and they was like, it needs to be a LA based guy. So it, it was Dominique uh Tapler. Yeah. Who's on the Zozo Live. Of course. Um so he went and he had been in the band for four, I guess four or five years now. And he was always playing Ghost Note videos. He's always, you know, digging because he missed the band. He couldn't tour with us at, at one point. So he would always just, you know, to, to to connect with us. He'd always be looking us up on YouTube, seeing what the latest clips were, stuff like that. And they were on tour buses and they would hear this music. He would be playing swagism to them and they were hearing this music and they became fans of the music. And I look over one time and we were doing a show. I looked over to the side of the stage and the whole, you know, like the gang was right there. And there was like, and I was like, <laughs> I turned around and was like, are you, are you kidding me? You know, it was like a North Sea Jazz or some crazy thing. They were in the, happened to be in the same city or it was overseas too. It was mm. in Europe. And I was like, oh my God. And so, uh long story short luther steve luther called told i had a conversation with dominique was like do you think he'd be interested in playing the band and dominique was like i don't know ask him you know ask him you know and he was like uh can i get you get his number get you get his number from me gave him my number i was like sure give him my are you serious are you kidding me give him a number and so he he called me at the blue and i didn't I, it was in 2019. And he said, hey, man, this is Steve Luca there. And I was like, oh, yeah, who's playing? I was just playing on my phone. I thought it was Jordan. Um, and he's like, no, no, man, for real, it's really me. And so he was telling me he wants to, you know, he's going to reconfigure the band. Uh, and uh, he wants to bring it back one more time. And he wants, he would like for me to be the drummer. And he's trying to sell me on being the drummer for Toto, which is the weirdest shit ever you know it's like bro you don't have to sell me on being the drummer for Toto. yes i will do it and then uh 2020 came and obviously the pandemic happened everything was supposed to happen in 2020 so yeah. uh the pandemic happened and i didn't get a call from him. so i just assumed that it wasn't gonna happen yeah. and then towards the end of the summer i get a call now, all the way from the time he talked to me to the end of the summer in August or something like that, I'm just getting over COVID. And uh, actually, no, I'm not. No, I was, I was, I, was, I hadn't even gotten COVID yet. But I'm, I'm get, I get a call, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm, are you still interested in the band?" And blah blah. I'm still interested in the band and doing this with us. Blah blah. And I was like. Yes, yes, yeah, of course. I just, you know, I didn't know I was going to hear from you. And uh, he was like, yeah, you get to L.A. Next couple of weeks, we're going to rehearse. We're going to do this thing, blah, blah. And I was like, and so I had to learn all this music. You know, I, I knew more of the music, the hits, but all of the, the deep cuts, I had to really, like, get into the deep cuts and uh, learn all this music. And the rest is history, man. Went there, did rehearsal and rehearsed for two weeks and 
we did that um dvd taping the live streaming sure which which is now a record uh yeah so yeah and then the rest is history man i'm i'm a proud and happy member of the band man. incredible i mean how was it yeah. the first time that you played rosanna in a rehearsal <laughs> with, with lucifer there you know i mean that must have been a Oh, just... it, wasn't, it wasn't just Luca there. It was David Page. Was there. Well, of course, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Just... He's a writer for most of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was terrifying, you know, uh, uh, terrifying, basically. Mm. It was uh, uh, it was quite interesting because I, I never played that group. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the song, so I, that wasn't one of the songs I needed to work on. Um, obviously, I knew the song, but I never played the groove. Wow, until rehearsal. So, I'm lefty, I'm naturally a lefty, yeah. And I have been playing the whole gig right handed. And then, when it got to that song, I said, That's the groove, and I I couldn't play it right handed. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, and so I switched it up really quick, and, playing, and I just was kind of playing it. At that point, I was just playing by ear, and, and obviously it kind of messed messed with my psyche a little bit. But I realized in that moment that I needed to that I needed to play that song left-handed in that one moment. And I was like, "Man, I know that I've played this groove before, but really, I don't think I've ever played the groove. I've always just admired the groove, like even the Bernard Purdy, yeah. even the Steve Gadd, with everybody else, even the Dennis Chambers." Everybody's played the groove. I've always just admired it, but never played it until that rehearsal. Wow. Yeah. That's just um so so I mean luckily I looked around and everybody was like smiling and I was like, okay. Oh wow. So it, it worked out. It worked out. And then doing a DVD recording, the taping, the stick broke on at the, on on that intro. And I, you know. Some kind of somehow it worked out then too. You can the stick broke like I, Jeez, I didn't know that. Like yeah, yeah. Was it was yeah, it interesting recording that? Obviously, because you're recording it with without an audience. Uh, it might be a few crew members you can hear cheering in the background. But was it was it hard to get that energy, or was it was the energy there? It sounds like wow, the energy there. <laughs> energy was there, man. It was just like the energy of. I mean, because for me, it, it was being streamed. Yeah. And so I didn't know at the time that it wasn't being streamed live. Mm, yeah. You know, I just, you know, I'm like, man, there's got to be a million people watching this shit, you know? So the energy was there for me because playing just with all the lights that was going on. I mean, like, usually when you're standing on stage and you see all these lights, you can't see people anyway. No. You can't see them. Yeah. So you know they're there, but you can't literally see them anyway. So, but the energy is the lights and all of this stuff. For me, that's all it needs. And then the camaraderie on stage, we were interacting with each other and playing. And Steve was coming over and smiling at me. And, you know, the expectation is really high, you know. Um, and we just all played to high, higher heights. And then, then as I look at the band now and how we sound now, light years ahead of where we were then. But yeah. that day was really special, you know. 
So have you got, is there a lot happening with Toto at the moment? Are you, have you got any, is there any tours happening or? Yeah, we just, we, we did a tour that started February the 2nd and ended April the 25th. Brilliant. So we did and in the States uh, where some of it was with Journey. Yeah. And some of it was us just doing our own dates in between the tours, sure, in between sure. the Journey tour. Uh, we were opening up for Journey and, um, uh, this year is what the schedule has been. So uh, we're going to go to Japan uh, in July. Okay. Uh, July the 8th through the 22nd, we'll be in Japan touring, touring there and all the cities there. Um, and yeah, man, uh, that'll be our touring for the year, which is a lot. Yeah. yeah honestly. Sure. But uh, and then next year is going to be crazy touring year as well. So it's, yeah, it's a handful. Now I've just doubled my play. You know, it's got the ghost <laughs> note half a year and total half a year. So it's it's crazy. Yeah. It's a nice so that's, problem. That's, oh, nice, yeah. Nice problem to have. It's beautiful, yeah. I'm not complaining. Well, Spot, you know, you've earned it. You've, you know, you've paid your dues since you're like two years old. So enjoy <laughs> it. And, you know, thank you for, for giving up your precious time to talk to me today. I, um. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Man, thank you for even considering me. Thank you for being inspired by anything I'm doing. Uh, it means a lot uh, to all of the people that hear things that I do and uh, follow me and want to be better. That's that's what it's about, you know, because when I hear the compliments, I want to be better, you know. So um, I'm always working at my craft and always never being complacent and just always knowing that practice makes permanent, not perfect. Yeah. You know, and just always just trying to just move that along and just stay in my lane and, you know, do as much as I can do for the, the music community out there, you know? Amazing. Well, hopefully uh, next year might be able to catch you with Ghost Note and Toto with a bit of luck in the same year. I'd, yeah, well, you know, you didn't catch us last year, but we, we actually came to Europe last year. Yeah, I know. I, I Unfortunately, on the dates. But... But we didn't come to the UK. You didn't do Birkenhead, that's for sure. No, we did. We you didn't did come Ireland, didn't you? I think you did Ireland, didn't you? I think. Did you go to Ireland? Ireland? Yeah. Did you go to Ireland with Toto? I'm not sure. We didn't. We didn't go oh. to Ireland. Oh, okay. Or we didn't go to Ireland or the UK. Okay, got you. Okay. Well, um, next, next year with a bit of luck, then um, that'll be good. Oh yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. So you get to see us. Just keep in touch. I got you. I look forward. But honestly, <laughs> thanks so much, man. I, I I really, really appreciate it. I know you're busy, so uh, thanks for taking yeah, the time to do it. It's been fun. My pleasure. Thanks.